0: This is Johnny Silva. I'm the pastor at Dilly First United Methodist Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, I hope it builds your faith, and I hope it gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. You know that I, I like stories, you know that I like movies, and I really like whenever everything, uh, a story kind of comes to an end when it has a beautiful bow put on it and everything is good. And a lot of times, those fairy tales and things like that, they end with, and they lived happily ever after. And that's great, and that's awesome, and then we move on with our life with this great ending to a great story. But that's not real life, right? What happens whenever the story is not over? Or what happens after the end of the story that we know it as so what happens um to uh cinderella after she marries the prince what happens to um, those characters that we know come to an end and everything seems great but what happens the next day what happens after that and i mean if you're anything like me there are things in our lives that are great awesome And everything would be great if it continued on that way, but then life happens and then things don't happen the way that we plan them to, the way that we want them to from then on. And so what do we do with that afterwards? What do we do with the happily ever after? What happens after that? And so today we think about this time where we live in the afterwards. We live in maybe there is uh, there was a healing. Maybe there was uh, some type of saving that happened. And here is where we sit in that existence of after that and after that and after that. So. Life doesn't stop, right? It, it keeps on going. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good, but we have to know what it means to live in the afterwards. And so, with that, we come to our, our story for today. And this is found in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 8, and then again, picking it up in 35 through 41. Now, here we have our, our scripture. In John 9, and it takes place in Jerusalem. And in the previous chapter, Jesus says the familiar line, um, He without sin cast the first stone. You remember this? And it was in relation to, there was an adulterous woman that the punishment for being caught was to be stoned. It means like picking up rocks and throwing them. Now, my sons yesterday (laughs) were in the backyard um, at my aunt's house and there was some rocks there and they were picking up and they weren't throwing at each other. I don't think y'all were, but um, they were throwing stones uh, kind of just to break them and that sort of thing. But, But this is a different thing. This is a punishment to be picking up rocks and throwing them at somebody and that hurts. But Jesus put a stop to that and he said he without... Sin cast the first stone, well, if they're being honest with themselves, well, nobody can pick up a stone because nobody is without sin. So he stops that dead in its tracks, and then he does not condemn that woman, but he says to her, go and sin no more. So this is what happened right before our story for today. That was in chapter 8 of John. And so this leads us to our fourth of the seven miracles found in the book of John. So far, those that have come before this is where Jesus turns the water into wine at the wedding in Canaan. And then he heals the nobleman's son. That's miracle number two. And then one that we talked about earlier in chapter five, the healing of that man in Bethesda or Bethsaida. And now we come across this in chapter nine. And in this one, it is a self-contained unit. It's almost like if you're watching a series, this is an episode, a complete episode, if you will. And so typically a miracle or a sign or a wonder is performed by Jesus and it leads to a discussion and a debate, which is, in this case, it reveals a good deal about the setting and the purpose of this particular gospel. So... Here in these very words, the very word of God, the word of life. This is John chapter 9, verse 1. As he, that is Jesus, as he walked along and he saw a man blind from birth. Now again, this is in Jerusalem. All that had just happened, that I just talked about. But he's walking along and he sees a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered them, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born, now hear this part, he was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now here, this is the setting of the stage. This is preparing us to experience the miracle that is to happen. And so here, we have Jesus, and I don't know how he knows that this man was born blind, but he knows it. Well, he is Jesus, after all. But the question that even has anything to do with anything is brought to him by the disciples, saying, well, who is it that sinned? Was it this man's parents, or is it him, that he was born blind? Because... The way of the world at that point was Deuteronomistic theology, meaning that um, pertaining to Deuteronomy, as in rules, as in you do this and you get this. Very, um, I guess, systematic in a way, and forgive my um, grammatically incorrect statement here, but the thought was you do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. And so that was a mentality that they were thinking of is, well, who sinned? What bad thing did they do to deserve this? Because we still think that in our day and age, that what bad thing did I do to deserve this bad thing that's happening to me right now? And it is encouraged by our culture. Well, the only reason that you are the way you are is because you did this. The only reason that this is happening to you right now is because of something that you did. You deserve this, right? But what Jesus is saying is that's not the case at all. In fact, in fact, the reason that this man was born blind was so that God's good work can show in him now how many of us would ever think that the reason that i am experiencing something so bad in my life right now is so that god could be glorified because that is a change of thought not oh poor woe is me why this is why is this happening to me but us having that thought process that okay i want to see what god's going to do with this but not all of us are there And neither was anybody in that particular time and day and age. And so he continues on. This is setting up the miracle that is to happen. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes. Saying to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. Which means sent. And then he went and washed and came back able to see. Here is the miracle. Here is the miracle. This man who was born blind, God intervenes through Jesus, intervenes and says, I'm gonna spit. And this is kind of weird, right? But he spits on the ground, makes mud with it, and then puts it on the man's eyes. And then he says, then go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And once he washes it, he's able to see. He's never been able to see in his entire life. And now Jesus intervenes and then he can see. And then the neighbors, the neighbors, they had seen him before as a beggar began to ask is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Now I stopped there because there's a lot of things that happen after this, but, but the miracle happened. So there was a setting that we saw in the beginning, and then now, here it is. The miracle happens. But that's not the end of the story. The story has just begun. And so with this, we see a lot of different things, and I'm not going to read all of those, but, but here's what happens after the healing. See, if that was a great story, everything was great because he was blind, now he sees, end of story. There's songs written about him. Everything's great. And then the end, hap- live happily ever after. But yet you and I know that that's not how life works. So after this, They have people questioning, is this really that man? They they don't believe what they just saw. They don't believe what they just experienced. So they say, no, that's not really him. It only looks like him. And then they even go so far as to ask him, what happened? Are you that man? Yeah, I was blind, but now I'm not. Yeah, I don't know if I believe you. Well, I believe me because it happened to me. Yeah, but I I just, you know what, I don't believe you. And then so they go so far as to interview his parents, saying, Was he really blind from birth? And is this really your son? And the thing is, to say that Jesus is who Jesus is in that day, in that time, in that place, If they say that Jesus is a Savior, if they say that Jesus is the Messiah, they are no longer going to be able to be welcomed into the temple. They will have to be outside of that because that is something against the law of the land, against the Mosaic law. So they don't. They don't say, well, yes, but they say, why don't you go and ask him? Kind of like distancing themselves because they don't want to be thrown out for something that happened to their son. So they don't want to take any ownership of this and say, well, he's of age. Why don't you go ask him? So they ask him again and again and again. And people hear the same answer, but they still don't accept it. And so Jesus hears about this and he's like, What is going on with these people? Like, I did a good thing for this man and for everybody to hear about. And why are you not accepting what just happened? And so, we pick this up in verse 35. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. That is, the man who was blind. Driven him out. And when he he found him, that means he was actually looking for him again. He said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Now that's, that's a big question. But he continues. This man answers. He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. He worshiped him. And that's the whole point of this whole thing. And so here's what happens. He's not even asking for it. He's a, he's a beggar and he's blind and there's a lot wrong with his life. But it was because of the question that the disciples had Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he's born blind? And then Jesus responds with, okay, obviously you're not getting it. So maybe I need to do something to kind of wake you up, to kind of open your eyes so that you can see the truth. And so he does, and he heals him. But again, not everybody experiences what should happen. What they should have experienced is they should have seen this opening as, okay, God is real. God is here. God is among us. God is doing miracles here even now. But they reject that. Because if they reject that, that means that, well, what would happen if I accept that this actually happened? That this was the man who was blind and now he can see. Well, that means that miracles happen. Well, that also means that God is real. And if that can happen, then that means ooh, I might need to reevaluate my entire life. I might need to refocus my entire attention and focus on this one who they call Jesus, the one who performs miracles because something is up. Everything that I knew about before is different. Everything should be focused on him. But instead, they reject it. And after this, this man is healed, and he can see, and Jesus comes to him again, and he says, I am the one who healed you. And then now he believes and he worships him. But again, the story is not over yet. We continue on with this. Jesus said in verse 39, Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Okay, he goes on. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sinned. But now that you say, we see, your sin remains. Now, I have to be honest with you. And I was talking with Laura about this. And again, I think she's a great inspiration to me. She, I talk through things. I talk out things uh, with Laura. So she helps me prepare for this. So I give her credit um, where credit is due. But we had a problem with this because it doesn't quite make sense. It doesn't quite sit well. Like, what does it mean? I understand the part where it says, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see, but that I get. But what about that second part? And those who do see may become blind? That doesn't quite make sense to me. And then the other part, Jesus tries to explain it a little bit, And it says, some of the Pharisees came and they heard this. And they said, surely we are not blind, are we? Like, they don't even know. Like, again, their whole life is being changed and shaken. Everything is changing because Jesus has come. And they have seen him. And they have seen what he can do. And that means that everything is up for grabs. If you were blind, now If you were blind, now you have no sin, because you see. But you say that you see, and your sin remains. That part just doesn't sit well with me, but here's what is happening. Jesus, from the very beginning, and this is the end of that episode, if you will, Jesus, from the very beginning, knew where he was going, but we didn't know. And Jesus knew what he was going to do through this man and his healing, but we didn't know. And see, the way I see it is that we can be one of many of these characters. We can be that blind man who was blind from birth and now sees and now worships Jesus. We could also be the naysayers that say, ah, that didn't really happen. That's not really him. We could be those naysayers. We can even be the Pharisees that are like, well, I don't know about that because that means that that you are the Messiah, and I, I just don't know about that. We can be any of those. But the thing is, I feel like all of this, there's something more. It could have just stopped at the beginning when Jesus healed a man and everything was good, next chapter. But there is more. There was more to the story. And Jesus continues on. And again, I like that it wasn't ending there. I like that it just wasn't happily ever after. I like that because life is messy in real life. This is a reflection of what happens in real life. How many times have we been healed? How many times have we had something that we've just been enduring, and then finally there's a break in it and we see some type of rest. We see some type of just peace in our lives. And then life happens. Life hits us. So I like that it's not easy there. I like that this healed person, the man who was blind and now sees, I like that he has some difficulties about how do I live into this people don't know me anymore. They knew me as that person and now I am challenging my very existence is challenging their every thought about God, about Jesus. That miracles can happen. Everything is challenged and we don't like that. But what happens here is that this man is healed. And that's not the end of the story. There's a healing that happens in the culture around him. There's a healing happening with those that are of the Mosaic law, the Pharisees. And so, again, why didn't it end when we think it was supposed to? Because there was more to the story. And just to take it a bit further, another reason why it didn't end at that point Maybe there is more to this story. I think about Philippians 1, 6, where it says, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So Jesus was not done with the blind man yet. He healed him. He made him see. But he wasn't done with him yet. The miracle was far from over. Sure, he was healed physically, but Jesus had something more in mind. And that would have been enough, but Jesus had more in mind. Jesus wanted to heal this man and save this man completely. Body, mind, soul, and broken relationships. And not only that, but this man's healing and salvation story would reveal God's work in him just as Jesus said at the beginning. And just like that blind man, Jesus is not done with you yet. If you hear nothing else this day, hear that. Jesus is not done with you yet. Now that's good news. And he wants to heal you completely. He wants to save you completely and God wants to use your healing and your salvation story to reveal his mighty works in you. Now I'm not sure who needs to hear this right now but if everything is not perfect for you right now in your life and if it seems like it's just one thing after another that's going wrong and if it seems like you just can't catch a break hear this when I say this. God is not done with you yet. God is not done with you yet. The miracles are far from over. And hear this last part the good work that God has begun in you, He will bring to its completion. This is the good news, brothers and sisters, family. The ones in need of healing, the ones in need of deliverance, the ones in need of salvation, that's all of us. And all of us are living in that time where, yes, maybe it was good at one point, but now what happens in the afterwards, and it's difficult, and it's messy, and it's ugly, and it's hard. If that's where we are right now, hear these words, God is not done with you yet. The miracle is far from over. What God has done within you, that good work that he has begun with you, he will see it to his completion. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There's a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And please share this message with friends and family to help us spread the gospel message. And thanks again for joining us on Dilly First United Methodist Church Podcast. Blessings.